0: On with my regular co-host and fellow model, Colin McFadden.
1: I do I'm doing well. Um obviously we, we spoke last week about not being convinced United would win. It wasn't pretty, as I'm sure we'll discuss in the show, but a win is a win and I'll take that at the moment. But delighted to be back with yourself, Phil, and, and looking forward to discussing all things United.
0: Yeah, man, listen, I'm not exactly a metaphorical genius, but the best analogy I could come up with the other day was, sort of felt like if you shoplifted an Oxfam, I mean, technically it's a win, but it doesn't feel like one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I was just on that very topic, right? So, you know, the 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 loss against, uh, uh loss against Wolves was his first defeat, so I think it's uh, eight, you know, eight games out of nine was one defeat. Nine games, one defeat. Yet, it feels like he has Monali, and somehow United have managed to make wins feel like defeats. Because to me, when I watch United, you get varying degrees of a performance that largely consists of the same thing. It's a, it's going to be one of two. It's one of two questions: where are United going to be so bad where it's impossible not to lose, or are United going to be just not quite bad enough where they can scrape a win or scrape a draw? But truthfully. They should be losing. You know, when he when, when Rania got the job, Callum, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying, um, the one thing United will be is organized. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I have to say, mate, I don't care whether you're sitting there, you're Johan Cruyff or whether you're a layman. Watching United is genuinely incredible. It leaves me speechless to see how little, cohesion there is as a team. Hey, there's no patterns of play. Hey, when look at Guardiola and, and Kevin De Bruyne what six weeks ago, we don't know how to, don't know what to expect. I don't even think the other players know what to expect. There is nothing about what they're doing that resembles a team.
1: No, you're spot on. And the phrase you coined that still makes me laugh is the false press. And again, you see it at times in games where you maybe have two players that are absolutely blood for thunder running forward and, and doing their utmost. Cavani normally always been one of them, um, desperate to get the ball back. And then you got others who are, let's be honest, having a, a leisurely jog, <laughs> like most of us do when we're trying to do a, 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 a run in the morning or whatever it may be. You know, it, it's just, it's bizarre in, in that case. And as you say, I think... With Ralph Raniuk, um the point again yourself and others made, which I think is incredibly re- relevant, sorry is you cannot become a high pressing uh, gigging and pressing supreme team overnight and anyone who thinks that you can needs to log out a football manager, put their laptop down and maybe spend a week or two watching games at various levels on television or going to them um, at their local club or whatever because you cannot change a, a team overnight I- 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 my phrase that people are probably fed up with me saying on the show is you cannot turn uh, form on and off like a tap. You simply can't. And mm. we'll come to Rashford soon. And that's a, a situation that he's in at the moment. You simply cannot just say, right, I'm going to go turn up now and, and play well for the next 10 weeks, all of a sudden, and then have two weeks off and two weeks on, you know, it's, it's much more yeah. complicated than that. And in terms of the, the, the midfield that United have got, when you think of the options, McTominay and uh, Fred have been lambasted by so many people and I can mm-hmm. understand it myself included at times understandably so because they can be frustrating but when you look at a sort of high press high energy team you've got McTominay you've got Fred in those number six positions, if that's what you want to call them, who else can you realistically um, put in? People obviously have talked about Matic coming in for some games, and, and, and I can understand, again, he's an experienced player, he's won league titles, why he might come in, but he's not at an age um, where he's going to be able to to, to run with high intensity, nor would I expect him to, because even in those great Chelsea teams that he played in um, under Mourinho, his job was to break it up. It wasn't to chase everybody all over the park, and I think that's something that that also has to be noted. Um, if you're going to buy into this high pressing, um, high intensity uh, way of playing, you you need to have patience and get the players to do it. You could look at Jurgen Klopp. He went mm. into Liverpool as you mentioned. I think it was again last week, Phil. He finished eighth in his first season, and gradually over time, he he was. Sticking with the system and the way a player he wanted to, right? He's not quite doing it for me. I'll get him out, I'll get someone in, I'll get him out, I'll get someone in. It took him about two and a half years before you were in a position to say, wow, this Obviously, uh, begrudgingly for us to say, Wow, this is a team that really is able to compete at the highest level. So if you're if you're set upon um, a high press and high intensity team, it's going to take time to build. And as you said, you cannot do it overnight. And until then, the false press will be here for many weeks ahead, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, but see, this is where I I've, I have problems, right? So, as you know, Raniuk's, and maybe this is where I have some sense of sympathy for the players uh, here. Okay, I know this is not a popular take, but a point importantly point this out. So, Ralph Ranik is a guy that is famous for building clubs. Um, that takes time. It's not a six-month job. So, if you wanted to hire someone for six months, you know. You you don't hire Ranić, in my opinion, because what he brings to the football club is something that takes years to perfect. So, you know, the players are not fit enough to play this, this type of formation or this type of tactic. And they weren't fit enough when Sosko took over to play the way he wanted to play, quick attack, counter-attack football. So it makes me wonder, you know, why do we have a dressing room filled with players that are feeling on the bare minimum? Right? I don't care... Riceford's getting criticised for not being good enough. I can forgive that, okay? I can forgive anyone not being good enough. I can forgive horrendous runs of form. but I can't forgive is a footballer feeling to give me the bare minimum, to show up fit for your job. So um, that is disgraceful. Then it leads to the other question, Callum, why does this keep happening? There's something inside the football club that's creating this outcome this is not an accident so when we're talking about 17 players wanting to leave first of all as horrendous as that sounds right if you've got a big football squad like most top clubs do you're going to have a significant number of players wanting to leave because they're not playing enough football personally I think that's a positive if I had 17 players who weren't getting near the bench or weren't getting to play that were happy to stay I would concern me more so we've got players that are saying you know what I want to play football and maybe they're not blaming the club. Maybe the, the reason is I know I'm not good enough to get in this squad, so I want to leave. There's nothing wrong with that. Dean Henderson should want to leave, right? Donny van der Beek should want to leave. You know, these players that aren't getting a sniff should want to leave. Now, I'd be interested to see what Ranjik does at the weekend against Villa after his comments saying that, you know, they controlled the game the last 20, 25 minutes when van der Beek came on. So, you know, as United fans, so many of us are desperate to see him get a run in the team. I also thought when he came on against Watford that second half, he was probably you know, his best player, right? So and we all know how to finish, but still. So I, hopefully he gets a chance. Um, on the negative side, made again, the body language of Bruno Fernandez is brutal. Really, really bad, man. And I used to say Bruno was captain material. Now I'm not too so sure.
1: And as you say, it's concerning, it's worrying, and we can all understand frustrations. Um, as fans, we have them. Players, they're human beings, of course. They have frustrations like the rest of us. However, you have to galvanise your team, and and I hate to always rewind to United legends of the past, but I always think of that game at Leicester, that United ultimately lost um, 5-3 at the King Power a few, I say a few years mm. ago, probably about 6 or 7. I just remember Wayne Rooney that day, just desperate to get his teammates to 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 do their utmost and and willing them on. He wasn't just throwing his hands up in there, saying, "Oh, this is rubbish. Let's move on." He was trying to grab people and say, "Let's go, come on!" Now that might be a a, a sense of leadership that's from the past year. Roy Keane, your Tony mm-hmm. Adams, Rooney, etc. Those, those sorts of personalities. You could argue maybe don't exist in the the same way that they did years ago with the differences in society, etc. But with Fernandez. You expect at the very least, if he's not going to lead by example with a a good performance in the pitch, because again, all players, regardless of stature, have off days that he's at least going to try and galvanise galvanise his teammates. And as you say, Phil, at the moment, we're not seeing that. We're seeing really negative body language. The arms have been thrown up in the air. Um, and it's not a good look for him. And it's not a good look for his teammates because it will be frustrating them as well. Because even if you're not at the uh, technical level of Bruno Fernandes, you're still a teammate of his. And you expect everyone to be playing and, and, and willing to go in the same direction for the team. So in regards to Donny van de Beek, Um, I agree with you I want to see him get a run in the team I think most fans of football clubs When they're not doing too well Want to see changes And want to see something new Um, I spoke to, to Manchester United Icon Willie Morgan this evening And The thing that Willie said was, since Ranjit came in, he said, I expected to see potentially different personnel or a different, I suppose, a different system. Yes, we have seen. He said, but it's been a lot of the same, and that's what concerned him the most. And I have to say, that's what concerns me most too. And we've spoken about this again with Van de Beek as a prime example. If you can't get in under three managers now, something has to be up. But I do just hope if he gets an opportunity, but again, how many times have we said this? If he gets Mm -hmm. an opportunity, he has to take it. But for him... <laughs> better better late, 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 late than never. So hopefully he can take it to get to one at the we weekend.
0: Well, Calmway, I hear a lot of players complaining about not getting a chance, but I see a lot of players when they get a chance not taking a chance. And this is Manchester United. This is not a community outreach program. Okay, you don't get uh, everyone gets a trophy, we all get equitable playing time. You have to earn your way into that first team. And when you're not playing well, well, you know, you're not playing well, right? If you can't get your way into that first team, then it really is really difficult to justify knocking Ralph Runnick's door and saying, I deserve to start. I'm not saying that every player picked deserves to start. Clearly, they don't believe that. I don't think Harry Harry Maguire should be anywhere near or starting 11 on merit. I think when you've got a centre back who spent two years out of the game, come back and show you all up, I think they should be ashamed if they're capable of actually feeling any shame. Um, and so, you know, these are people that uh, hide behind their PR companies and their social media companies and... I'm I'm not an advocate of abuse. Calm. There's a there's a line between criticism and abuse, and I think we can go too far. We're emotional, and I and we get angry, and I understand that. But I think we go way too far sometimes. But at the same time, don't sit there and tell me how sorry you are and how much we need to get this put right and then we take a good look at look at ourselves. But then the next day leak something or put a PR report out that or, or, let me sorry let me rephrase this I don't want to see these PR reports to talk about you know your contrition and you know how you're just trying to put things right and how you want to take a long hard look at yourselves but then a couple of hours later leak something completely contradicts every last piece of that right so you know to me um when I look at United it's hard to believe they look this bad and when I look at the one consistent factor Callum um, that's been there really since Ferguson left it has been that the football club changed completely so it went from because of because Ferguson, Ferguson was such a giant and icon to the football club no one was capable of usurping his power right? he had complete control of the football club as much as any manager could have probably from a different era uh, then when he left of course all that power went upstairs and the people that benefit from the most of the club being in the chaos are the people that will be responsible for changing it. If United could choose between being or choose to be a successful business and successful football club, they choose it. But being a successful football club is harder than being a successful business because those people are capitalizing on things they had nothing to do with, capitalizing on United's history, capitalizing on the ubiquity uh, of Manchester United across the world and how much they're loved, right? But Callum, when you incentivize your employees, right, and I'm talking about incentivizing them to a point where it's almost inconsequential if you're good at the job you were hired to do, if you are a commercial success. And the natural, you know, the natural consequence, the natural, you know, of of being a business which so fixated on being on profit, and and championing the individual over everything else is exactly what you have right now at Manchester United. And and I believe that if you bring a new sign in the dressing room, they'll look exactly like those players do within three weeks. I believe that one player can't affect change. I believe we have a situation at Manchester United, sorry for this long rant, where there's deep questions that need to be answered. When was the last time a young player came to Manchester United, whether through the academy or signed, that really fulfilled his potential? Wan Bissaka, if you scouted Wan Bissaka now for a top football club, how could you turn around and say he's a good fit? All right. Dalo, Jose Mourinho said when Dalo was, was starting for United, that we've now found Manchester United's next right back for 10 years. We now read in the papers he are desperate to get another right back in, which would make sense. Right? Is Paul Pogba a better player than what he was before he came from Juventus? We don't even know what Paul Pogba's best position is. Right? Um does Sancho look like the player he was at Bruce Dortmund? Did Shinzi Kagawa? Did Mkhitaryan? No. You know, is, is Luke Shaw the player that we thought he would be that came from No. Did Harry Maguire mature into one of the top players in the world? No. You know, but did, well, did, did, did Sanchez wanted to leave in his first week. I know people are going to say the rats, the rats, but it's not always the player's fault. Maybe there is something going on inside that football club. It's making it really, really difficult to be successful, whether you're as a player or as a manager.
1: Well, you you mentioned um, uh, Ibrahimovic on last week yeah. and. He summed it up perfectly. And again, people will say, oh, Zlatan, he's an arrogant uh, person or he's a personality that appears to be arrogant. I still don't know him personally, and I'm sure most of the people that comment on him don't either. Um, talking about being charged for water and rooms and just felt that the attitude was quite small time um, compared to, obviously, the stature of the club. Yep. And, and that's deeply worrying when you've got a player who... Has, whether you like him or you love him, he's played at Inter Milan when they were at a very high level, AC Milan when they were at a high level, Barcelona um, as well, obviously he was at Paris Saint-Germain who are, are maybe a different club compared to the others and you could argue um, in St. Louis United in the sense that commercial um, success and um, images is so key to them. But I would say it's to the detriment of their club, and it's been the detriment of United. I mean, you you said earlier about the Glazers wanting to protect balance sheets over um, performances on the pitch, and that's spot on. I mean, look at Ronaldo. If you offered the Glazers, Ronaldo will score fifty Premier League goals which would take you to to your title, I'm sure, or he could shift 15 million shirts. They would would want the shirts and wouldn't care if he scored zero goals. They would just be counting the money coming in from those shirts and whatever he does in the park. Well, good luck to you. It doesn't interest us. And and that's always going to be a core issue at United. I don't want to sound too dramatic and um, say something that people will say, oh, you're just saying this for attention or effect, but I genuinely believe it. I thought when we brought these players in the summer we would see Manchester United, even under Raleigh when he was here, get closer to Manchester City and Liverpool. We both agreed in this show that Manchester City so, Graham sort of said two weeks ago this, the depth of their squad's probably the best in Premier League history. Not the 1-11 but the depth and I, I probably agree with him in the sense that um, you, you take off Bernardo Silva, you bring on Phil Foden, you take off Raheem Sterling you bring on Jack Grealish um, you take off Americ Laporte um, you you bring on Ruben Diaz. They, they've got they've got depth all over the park. United simply don't. And and for me, I, the least I expected was United to get closer to these teams. When you consider Sancho, when you consider Varane, when you consider Ronaldo. But as you say, there's something fundamentally wrong that these players look a shadow of their former selves. Ronaldo maybe excluded. He scored a lot of goals. Um, But you you can only score goals if you get the service. And at times, um, especially in the four triple two, United aren't getting that service in the box. Even Bruno Fernandes against Wolves, there was a chance in the first half where he could have slipped it through to Ronaldo. Doesn't, takes it on himself. And Ronaldo looks absolutely livid. And you can understand why. Because in the penalty box, there's no one better to put those away. But as I say, the least I expected from United was to challenge those two teams. I'm not saying they would have won the title, but I expected a, a much closer fight with them. Whereas to look as if you're light years behind them, Again, after more investment, and to be fair, on paper, experienced senior professionals, Sancho aside, although has played at a very high level it just it baffles me and as you say there has to be something fundamentally wrong at the football club because you simply when you look at last season's squad now last season's United squad we both said I said it numerous times I felt Oli had, had a glass ceiling with that United squad I don't think he could have taken that group any further and he needed an injection of quality he got an injection of quality and it's folded like a pack of cards and again that's not just down to him and and, and him only. You look at um Ralph Rannick at the moment as well Oli gonna so scared get Dog's abuses we talked about in this show sure numerous times. He's gone now. The players can't hide behind him. Ralph Rangnick's only here to the summer. If United were to get frustrated with results and say, oh, we're maybe going to pull that consultancy gig, Rangnick can go very public, and that's the problem United are going to have in these coming months. If he gets deeply frustrated and if he gets disillusioned, thinking there's something fundamentally wrong here, what's to stop him going public with his concerns? Because at the end of the day... He he could be off in the summer as well if a new manager comes in and, and this consultancy period changes. So it's a it's a strange situation. And as I say, I expected a title challenge Given the players brought in But something has to be fundamentally wrong To be where United are at the moment Because as I say, they look light years behind Which, it baffles me and frustrates me Because that group of players Name for name, on a sheet of paper Shouldn't be light years behind But obviously, collectively There is no collectivism, let's be honest It's a team that looks as if it's Full of individualism and, and, and soul agendas Which is deeply frustrating
0: Well, you know, can we talk about this on another podcast last week? Um, you sort of highlighted it there a bit, um, where people talk about Ranić and saying, well, you know, he's he's only got six months, so, you know, he, he is limited on what he can do, and, you know, players are questioning him, what have you, and they're leaking stuff to the media, and, you know, there's a lot of people talking about, that. Uh, oh, no other top clubs wanted Ranić, because Ranić was supposed to go to the AC Milan just over a year and a half ago, so... Um, and in a similar situation to what he's in, uh, Milan Harpioli as a, t- as, a, as a temporary manager, he'd done so well, they ended up not going through the Ranić thing. In hindsight, not sure that was the right decision. Um, nonetheless, it's a complete ruse to talk about football clubs. When they see Milan a nine-time European Cup winner, the top football clubs aren't looking at, um, you know, absolute nonsense top seven-time European Cup winners, Um, But, uh, so... <clears throat> There's also the, 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 the issue, Callum were and Luke, like you hinted at, you know, if he's only there six months, he could come out in the media and absolutely rinse these players without any consequence. And so the players have to be careful here because it's not like Ranick has a job to do to protect the longevity of the dressing room and the atmosphere in the dressing room. Because if he reads the room correctly, one of the things that he's going to realize, and I'm sure he does, is that United fans want blood here. Right? United fans want, and obviously that's metaphorical, but what United fans want is they want the culprits outed. They're sick and tired of deflection. They're sick and tired of this, that, and the other. And like I said, we're sick and tired of watching United, where if we win, it's a result of because we just weren't bad enough. But there's never a game where we control a game, where it's entertaining, we're on the front foot, where we're cutting teams to play, teams to ribbons. We're doing this, we're playing a, a thing that we like to say the Manchester way. way. It's never that. And when you're going out against teams like Newcastle, Newcastle lost to Cambridge at the weekend at St James's. You didn't shit host a draw against them. Right, Norwich, any decent team battle Norwich. You didn't have a really tough game this weekend against Villa again, which will be different to the game they just played. Villa will come out on the front foot and believe that that United team's there for the take again And you know what's sad, Colin? I honestly believe this. I believe, if you look at the, the lead-up to the Burnley game, United were getting heavily criticised for their performance against Newcastle, right? So, as we have seen time and time again with United, you know, we'd see it repeatedly on their away, you know, that where they had away from home, where they reacted to everything. Had to go down two goes down they reacted and come back in one right it was always a reaction to what somebody else did somebody let it go somebody somebody got off first put a glove on us first and after us after that was what we did instead of imposing yourself on a game and letting them pick a game plan to contain you um that's when you start controlling games so they were being heavily criticized they go out against Burnley and to me that win against Burnley was the equivalent of Harry Maguire fingers in his ears against Albania. The lowest of the bar, the lowest of the low, satisfies them and their critics that they've answered them. Scoring against Albania, right, in a 5-6 game, I believe it was, isn't answering your critics. Beating Burnley isn't answering your critics. So you saw what they came up with after Burnley was a flat performance because they felt, you know what, we're the dog's bollocks. We want a game of football. We answered their critics. Now look how great we are and then went out to put in a performance, which was, quite frankly, an absolute disgrace. And what's also clear, Callum, there's, you can tell there's certain players on the pitch that, in my opinion, are exempt from this mess. Um, two of them being Fred and McTominay, right? Both of whom, Fred, gives you 200% every week. And like I said earlier in this podcast, I can forgive not being good enough, but that's you know, the effort and everything else that he puts in. And by the way, one of the few players that came out with a statement, to distance himself from that bollocks, right? So he is, you know, I don't include him when it comes to my cynicism. And Scott McTominay, I know he was poor against Wolves, but for the most part, Scott McTominay is a very good midfielder who gives 200%, who will give everything to win and has scored some very, very important goals. Um So all in all, I think those two, first and foremost, are not including in my list of people that need to be put against the wall.
1: I would say those two um, and David de Gea. Um, yep, I think obviously, yep, Ensign Cavani gives you everything on the park as well. Um, Ronaldo's given us a lot of goals. However, body language, storming down the tunnel—that's been 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 talked about, of course, as well. Um, so, I, I, but the but the problem is, I mean, we're talking about a handful of players. If that, and that is the the big concern—the fact that you've got maybe four or five a push that you can say are exempt from this, whereas the rest of all had really, really concerning dips in form um, that that, that seemed to last. I mean, let's look at Marcus Rashford. It's a massive talking point. Um, I said after the game that I was really concerned for his form. It's worrying because normally if something's a dip in form, you'd maybe think maybe five, six, seven, even eight games, maybe ten games at a push, but... I feel this has been going on for a, an awful long time now with Ashford, um, in terms of months rather than weeks. and He has had a difficult year. Um, obviously, he had mm-hmm. to get his surgery, which we thought, we talked about it in the show, would do him the world of good. He would get the surgery. Um, even though he was recovering and recuperating from that, he'd, he'd have a bit of time away from the club, away from football, to, to get himself mentally right and ready to come back and, and, and come in at a crucial time of the season to hopefully kick on. It hasn't quite happened for him um, In terms One thing I want to say That I am fed up with hearing when it comes to Marcus Is oh he needs to stick to football All this stuff off the park now I, I think that's an easy thing for people to say I think fighting over uh, School lunches is something that everyone should be doing And I think you've done a great job with that And it's not something for me That I don't think you can pin that on Why he's not performing well For Manchester United at the moment He to me and again I'm speculating here. I know we maybe shouldn't speculate about someone's mental well-being, but he looks like someone who is jaded mentally. Now, I, I don't know the extremes and the insides and outsides of it. could be absolutely completely wrong there. But that chance where he had the chance to maybe just press in the goalkeeper, he just looked like someone who was mentally exhausted. Yeah. And it's been a long year for him. Obviously, the situation at the Euros would have been very difficult for him as well. Um, of course, same with Sancho and, and young Bacaro Saka at Arsenal H- Hard situation for him and and, and and himself, I mean, being injured He probably thought, like we were saying I'm going to come back, I'm going to be ready to go It's not quite happened for him And for every passing week that it's not happened for him we're human beings ourselves. If we go to our work after a period of absence and we come back and think, right, I'm going to settle back in and give this mall and it doesn't quite happen for you and you, you feel that like you're maybe not, the, not playing or performing the way you used to be and whatever it is you do, you do beat yourself up about it. And I think... For me, he needs he needs time in the sidelines um to, to, to be on the bench and maybe come on with 15, 20 minutes to go rather than starting week in, week out. Because as I say, he just looks like someone that's completely jaded at the moment and in need of a rest. And I don't mean a physical rest because as you can see, he can run all day, but I just think mentally he looks like he needs a rest. And he's a he's a he's a great Manchester lad. He gets Manchester United, I've got no doubt about that. You you've seen that since he came through. I think he deserves the support of the fan base. Um, these people, as I say, trolls online that we've talked about, whether they support United or they don't, I don't know, um, that just seem to go after everyone. It was Ollie out, Ollie out, Ollie out. Now, it's Marcus Rashford. You can say someone is having a poor run of form or a concerning period in their career without abusing them. And that's the bit that really gets me because nothing is achieved from that ever in life. Just mm. throwing, throwing proverbial crap at people. It d- it delivers nothing. Even look at it in management, we talked about Jose Mourinho, there's only so many times you can call someone crap before they just switch off and, and, and they're demoralised. You need to support people and yes, he's going through a tough spell at the moment, but hopefully um, Ranjic and the coaching staff can think of a way, whether it's making cameo appearances for the bench, or if it's just something as simple as sitting on the stand for a couple of weeks and, 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 and saying that he's got a, a strain or whatever it may be, just to take him out the limelight. I think that would be wise, because he'd Definitely looks like a jaded uh, person at the moment and I hope we can see him back to his, his best on and off the park soon because he's always been someone that's been quite a happy individual um, when he's been in the, the peak form or it appears to be anyway, obviously, from the outside you normally see him um, smiling at fans, uh, jovial when he's going down the tunnel, but recently he's just looked as if as soon as the full-time whistle goes, whether United won or don't, I just want to get in that tunnel because I feel obviously it looks as if he appears to be fed up and I feel for him because he's a good lad and I hope he gets back to form soon.
0: Well, man, this is why I'm talking about why it needs to be answered. The question needs to be answered about why do so many players want to leave? Because what you see with Riceford, is what you see with Martial. Looks like a player that needs to move, that needs to be taken out of there, that looks like he's a player with enormous talent and um, that's gone steal. What you see with Marcus Riceford and, and Martial? You are now starting to see Bruno Fernandez. all right? Looks like a player who looks jaded. Right, who hasn't found form for a while, right? And we can go on and on and on and on and on because there's not alone, right? There's a number of United players that look exactly like that, where you're going, you know, where they you don't feel like they're progressing. Paul Pogba doesn't feel like he's progressing. Uh, Armand Basaka doesn't feel like he's progressing. Harry Maguire, and and, and I know we've someone pointed out before, but a lot of these players look completely jaded Where they look like they've lost interest playing for Manchester United. Where you know, like we said about Phil Jones, when you look at the intensity of Phil Jones coming out and played with that at night, you know, throwing himself into tackles. You know, if your form isn't great, give me that at least. There's an excerpt from Stephen Gerrard's book where he talks about um, that team he was sent off against United where he stamped on. Uh, I believe it was. Yeah. And he was saying, one of the things I didn't like about the first half... Was we were, you know, we stood off Manchester United. We let them play around, we didn't pass the ball. You know, there was no intensity, no tackles. Now, at the very least, I i, I agree with them there. When you looked at the United Liverpool game, we didn't get the bare minimum that we expect from players. There was no flan in the tackles, there was no defending the shot. I have a clip on my phone of the United fans of 5 0 down against Liverpool with the whole stadium singing, They don't deserve those fans, they don't deserve them. And then I hear the most unbelievable bullshit um, that justifies why, oh, Oli overplayed them. Or it, when has it ever become the player's fault? You know what? So if Bruno Fernandez scores an overhead kick, was that because Oli picked them? Because it seems to me that when these players play well, it's always down to the players. When they play badly, it's down to everybody but the players. Listen, it's their fault, all right? If I succeed at my job or fail, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's directly related to me. How I do, my attitude. If you succeed in feeling, if you succeed at life, you can have a bad job and work for an asshole where it doesn't matter. But generally speaking, in life, success and failure is down to you. Now, this is not a Molly May speech here, right? But what I'm saying is, you have to take responsibility, right? Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Can you imagine, I don't know, someone like, uh, uh, give me a, a. uh, an example, someone like Baby saying that uh, the reason why he couldn't develop at United was because uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, bothered me. It's heard of such nonsense, not your life, right? Imagine Ronaldo saying the reason why he couldn't become the best player at Manchester United um, because at the time Cleverson bothered me. I mean, what nonsense are you talking about? You take responsibility for yourself, okay? And if you succeed or fail, it's almost always down to what you do. You know, Ranik can tell his players, Run through a black wall, but when they cross the sideline, they don't do what they're told. It doesn't matter what you tell them, right? So the thing is, Callum, there's a weakness inside that football club. And the reason why that weakness exists is because somebody created it. Somebody put it there. It's a consequence of something, okay? And I believe it's a consequence of how you needed place value on their employees. And like I said earlier, you could be the worst football in the Premier League. But if you're selling a million shirts a week, you know, it will pay you whatever you want. Because the value is placed on the profit more than anything else. So like I said, if you they could pick to be a successful football club and a successful business, they would. They're one, not the other, because one's easier and they don't know how to do the other one. That's bottom line. Um, and you got Richard Arnold coming out with all these sound bites about how you know they're going to give the director of football and the technical director more autonomy. What does that mean? And why has it taken a billion, right, circa a billion, watching Liverpool and City dominate before the second most senior employee at this football club can turn in and say, maybe we should let the guy who was hired to run the football club, you know, have more of a say in how we run a football club because one of the things you won't get Tom is you won't get an interim CEO at Manchester United right that doesn't have the credentials yeah it won't do that. then make sure that he ever gets that job as a strong track record of making a lot of money and Richard Arnold by the way knows nothing about football not that you necessarily need to but the second most senior employee at this football club does not get to exonerate himself from what has taken place at United over the last 10 years. It's not far just to solely blame this on Ed Woodward. Right? I know we all like bogey man. It's the manager's fault. It's Ronaldo's fault. It's Ed Woodward's fault. It's actually much more complex than that. Um, believe it or not, Med, between you and me, or obviously not between you and me on the podcast, but I actually may trust Woodward more than I trust Richard Arnold.
1: Just on that, Phil, and I I said this on a show we were on last week, Richard Arnold saying that he's not going to get involved in football matters is an easy thing to say at the moment. It's also an easy thing to think that's the way you're going to behave. The, The comparison I used last week was it's like going on a diet and saying you will never eat chocolate again in your life and someone then suddenly throws you the keys to the Cadbury factory and says, in you go, it's yours for the week. Are you going to stick to that promise? Are you are you are you seriously not going to be tempted? You're in that position of power, Um you've got a chance to to shape or be involved hands-on um, in the football department at uh, the, the biggest club in the world. Now, I, I, again, I, I don't know Richard personally. Um, I'm only speculating there, but I imagine it's something that would be a temptation. Um, in terms of Ed Woodward, that's something that was um, was pointed at him that he wanted to be seen as someone who was getting things right. He really desperately wanted to correct um, perceived errors. You think of his first spell in, um, in charge when David Moyes came in, there was the statement or the briefing to the press, I believe he was leaving Australia on urgent transfer business. And to be fair, I think towards the end of the last few years, he did learn from that Um, and it probably was naive of him at the time and he was in a new role for the first time at senior power so you can maybe understand that but it's crucial that Richard Arnold has learned from these situations it's very easy and we've spoken about this and it's not popular, it's very easy to blame and point fingers at Ed Woodward for absolutely everything that's went wrong at United since Ferguson left it's very very easy to do it but I also don't think it's entirely fair, I don't think it's Ed Woodward's fault entirely as you said that certain players can't be bothered to lift a finger I don't think it's Ed Woodward's fault entirely that there's a false press going on at Manchester United at the moment you know I think that there needs to be certain aspects that that are seen for what they are but in terms of the future shape of the football club something that concerns me um, is the role of Darren Fletcher now I am not saying that he's not fit to do the role as technical director I'm not saying that at all what I am saying is and again Phil you might have a different view to me How many other technical directors do you see basically in a coaching capacity taking warm-ups, sitting in the dugout with their team at modern football clubs? They're they're normally in the background, they're normally involved in negotiations, overseeing the academy structure, um, overseeing the the sort of inventory of what's going on at the club, whether that be facilities, whether that be um, data analysts and teams that work uh, with the recruitment department and other departments, sports science, to, to, to to, to the betterment of the club. So, I'm not saying that Darren Fletcher won't be an effective technical director for Manchester United. For all for all I know, he could be an efficient one and one that represents a club with dignity. The story, of course, that was presented was when Varane met on his sold, division of Manchester United and what it means to play for the club to Varane perfectly, etc. Et now, that might be fantastic, but the point I'm making is there needs to be joined up thinking. Darren Fletcher is either a very able coach who should be on the coaching staff or Darren Fletcher is a technical director who's primed and ready to be at the table with the best technical directors in the world, whether it's negotiating a player or whatever it may be. Because, as I say, to me, there's no joined-up thinking there. You do not see Marina Grijescava sitting next to um, Thomas Tuchel on the bench saying, right, Tommy, what are we going to do second half? So, to me, again, it might be a, a, a very minute point, but it's a point for me that needs clarification we've talked about it so what is Fletcher's role entirely what's Ranyuk's consultancy role going to look like in these two years if they go ahead and in terms of John Murta, is he going to have the hands-on say along with the manager veto power or whatever it may be in terms of signings because if those things aren't clarified who on earth, as, as we've talked about before, is going to be saying, I am desperate to walk over hot coals and manage Manchester United? Of course, the name, the prestige, the history of Manchester United shouldn't, and in my opinion, should never be sold to anyone. It's there for all to see and there for all to understand. Um, however, um, there's, there's, there's much more to that when you've got aspirations and a professional capacity to succeed in the here and now. It's all right saying you're one of the 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 few men that have managed Manchester United Football Club. But if you get that job, you want to do it well... And at the moment, for me, there's not enough joined up thinking and there hasn't been for a period of time that if I was a prospective candidate, I'd be saying, well, I know I'm getting in there to an effective uh, recruitment department, albeit it has improved over the last few years. I'm going into an effective setup behind the scenes. There, there needs to be urgent clarification, in my opinion, um, on, on on particular roles. Because, as I say, you look at clubs at Liverpool, their technical director, Michael Edwards, leaves. The next guy was his understudies announced immediately. Nobody's flapping, Klopp, etc. Nobody's flapping, they know the direction they're going in. With United, it always seems to be an um and an ah and back of a fag, fag packet stuff at times. And again, maybe that's me being too critical, but I think there needs to be clarification on those roles.
0: Well, I mean, here's, here's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, most other clubs don't have a brand to fall back on to make money, so they have to get the football on side, right? In some sense, United you know, says it's its biggest enemy because. They can afford to get it wrong on the pitch and still make a lot of money. Most clubs can't do that. So most clubs realise the only way for us to be profitable is to be successful on the pitch. Pure sport and merit, right? Um, Whereas United have disnified their brand and uh, they look at the Manchester United brand in much the same way as McDonald's look at their brands. You know, a few years of bad sausage egg McMuffins isn't enough to do terrible brand recognition because... The brand across the world, like the New York Yankees, we've made this comparison before, really isn't damaged by, you know, the the New York Yankees lose the Boston Red Sox tonight, because 90% of the global population that support the Yankees are not paying attention to it on a game by being gay. It's it's a a, a globally recognized brand, uh, such a strong brand. And it's now about fashion as much as it is with anything else. People buy New York Yankees, you know, baseball bats and everything else, or hats and all that, as much about fashion as it is about sports. And so that's where, you know, it becomes a problem because now it's not about, you know, our brand is synonymous with winning. You know, it's our brand, brand is synonymous with recognition and entertainment. So I think um, Richard Arnold, if you, he, here's the thing, Matt Edward Woodward says he resigned because of the Super League. So then it was Richard Arnold's brainchild, was it? So this is a guy that six months ago, you know, didn't give the slightest shit about DNA, about culture, about the things and nonsense that these people talk about, you know, on on uh, podcasts or on uh, or on uh, any type of investor call or anything else, right? Because they mean different things to them that they mean to you and me. So. And of course, his predecessor also said, and used to propose an example, was how you don't need to be successful on the pitch, to translate the profit off the pitch. Uh, that's again a concern, right? So, and we talked about how employees are incentivized. And we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast, and I'll, I'll mention it one more time. If I sat in front of the Glazers with two sheets, okay, and I had to give them one, they made sure it secured my job and was given the greatest compensation. One said we've been an amazing success on the pitch, and the other says we've been an amazing success with a profit and loss. Which one do I give him? I am 2,000% certain the Glazers place a much higher value on profit and loss than win and loss. So that's part of the reason why you have the problem. Ferguson, as much as he, it was certainly not perfect morally, and certainly his, his moral compass wasn't calibrated to perfection, was a football man, was a pure, bona fide winner. So he dragged United, and I'm certain even Ferguson, in this current era, would find it difficult. He got out at the right time. Neither real bill came due for the Glazer ownership, which we've got. they spent, spent, but, but they haven't spent sensibly because the... Direction of the football club has never been about football and being successful. The, the 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 most important thing that Manchester United should be winning football games, but it's not. Okay. So this is really why we have this problem. Why do we have a problem at a football club where there is no team, where it's all about individuals? That happens when you put such a massive emphasis on players. When they come to your football club, what are they being sold on by Richard Arnold? Um Twitter followers, downloads, branding, and we wonder why they become individuals. It's exactly how they're compensated. It's exactly how they're incentivized. Right? And when things are not going well, what's the first thing a brand does? It tries to get rid of any negative association. It's not me, it's them. And that's exactly what you're seeing. Right? Paul Pogba, whatever contract Paul Pogba gets offered, Right, by Manchester United. If he had an equivalent somewhere else at the top club, Paul Pogba was gone. The reason why Paul Pogba was still at Manchester United is for one reason and one reason only, because his agent can't find a suitable buyer. Even still, with him being on a free transfer, we're talking about supposedly one of the world's best midfielders. Are you telling me that if Messi, Ronaldo, or any world-class player were available at 29 in their prime with six months to go, you'd have a problem finding a buyer? No. Okay? So... Paul Pogba will leave the football club in six months if they can find an equivalent buyer. And if they can't, Manchester United need to ask themselves why are they offering this guy so much more above market value? Not just him, by the way. Right? Jesse Lingard. Why won't you sell him? This is a guy still uploading pictures of him in a West Ham kit. What on earth is going on? Why is that tolerated? Right? Now, I don't see them doing any business in January. I've been asked about this before, and buy and everything. Um, the message a week ago was clear. We don't want to sell anyone, and it's highly unlikely we'll bring anyone in. And actually, I think it's right that they don't bring anyone in. As much as I want to see a new player, and I don't like how fans are criticized for obsessing over new players or new young players, because new players, whether it's a player that you sign or whether it's through the academy, brings hope. And every football fan loves hope. We all need hope. There's nothing wrong with that. Your, your new young player comes in, you're excited. Why? Because he could be a superstar for the next 10 years and be a wonderful player for your football club. Um, same, same for the same reason, an academy or a player comes through or a manager or anything like that. You know, um, <clears throat> so There's nothing wrong with getting excited and, and being fixated on new signings. Um, I don't think you know, that it will send anyone in January. It's not the right environment to bring players into a football club. Um, but, Callum, what concerns me... Is the contingency. So we have Ralph Ranick. It makes no sense to teach Gag and Press and then six months from I bond it for something different. So you by hiring Ranik, you've already locked yourself into we you also have to hire somebody just like him. And if you want to hire somebody that does that's a student of Ranik's, why wouldn't you just hire Ranick? Why would you hire someone that's trying to learn what Ranyak's teaching? If that's what you want, you want Ranyak's style of play, then hire Ranyak. But if you don't want a style of play and you want something different, why'd you bring him in then? I mean, it's one thing asking 19 year olds from every corner of the globe to do gig and Press, it's another thing asking Ronaldo and Cavani to do it. So to me, I think, I, I, again, we talk about joined up thinking, mate. You know i don't think they know how to do joint up thinking and this is the first thing richard arnold should do right now and say this in a statement i will have no input when it comes to hiring the new manager that's going to be down to the football people well I mean, next- if it goes well they want to make sure they get the credit for it not when it goes badly them
1: well, that's another thing that I, I think as well, and I'm not saying that, that is an egomaniac and he would do this, so I'm, I'm just talking hypothetically here. If you bring a manager in in the summer and they get off to a really poor start, they know the next interim manager sitting upstairs and randy himself, you know? So that's another situation that's intriguing. Now, of course, that would all be dependent on how the rest of the season goes. And what we've seen so far, you're not entirely convinced that United are going to put any sort of run together to finish in, in, in the Champions League places. I certainly, if I was a betting person, which I'm not, um, I, I certainly wouldn't be wagering anything on that because I certainly... I couldn't say for certain, I don't think anyone could what you're going to get from United in the next game never mind the next month Um, but I think that's going to be crucial in terms of the the managerial appointment Um, there's been reports that Ed Woodward's last act will be to help find a new manager, um, which again would probably sum up United and again this isn't a go at Ed Woodward, it's just a go at the the process at the club a guy who is leaving the club officially I believe in April but steps down from his current role in February if he's involved in the process for hiring the next manager, why on earth is he leaving? Why 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 is mm-hmm. he doing that and then going? What surely that undermines the new guys you see, in Arnold right away. And then if he's gonna let football people stick to football decisions, then you would think Murta, Fletcher and of Sir with this consultancy role would be leading that process up. Then you've also got the other conundrum if you're approaching candidates say around uh, April time, May time, and there's still games to go, where Ranieri is currently in situ, sitting down with a prospective future manager, and of course that could lead to a smooth transition. But all football men have have egos, um, and it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes. In terms of a student of Ranyuk, it'll be interesting um, if that's the sort of way United go. It's the sensible way to go, as you're saying, Phil. Uh, Otherwise, why are you bringing him in for six months to implement a style and then rip it up and start again uh, from scratch? The thing that we've t- spoken about numerous times, which you've talked about it with the young players United have tried to develop, the likes of they've signed Ahmad, they've signed Palestri, neither of which appear to be any closer to the first team than when they arrived, which again, I know they're still young, is a bit of a concern. Um, Dalo, another. Do, would you trust, and I know Ranić might be involved, would you trust United to have the patience to stick with a young relatively unknown compared to, like, say, your Pep klopp Conte and the Premier League type manager if the going gets tough. I mean, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was mm-hmm. always going to get a bit more tight. He's a club legend. He deserved that respect. You're always going to get it. Um, but if you trust Ranjic to come in and hire, I don't know, I'm not saying he would, a uh, Marco Rosa from uh, Borussia Dortmund. Now, I don't, for one minute think he'll be the next Manchester United manager. I'm just using this to make a point. If he's in situ at United for... Next season, signs a two year deal, and United got off to a really poor start after eight games. Have the board, has Richard Arnold got any loyalty to him if he's not involved in the process? If Ed Woodward was involved and Arnold isn't, does that, is that where he wants to put his stamp on and come in and make a, a decision quickly? The whole thing is just a mess. And as you've said, with a lack of joined up thinking that's been going on for the last decade or so at key times, and even now where we're saying what's his role, what's this, what's that. You you can just tell it's going to be haphazard and I wouldn't be shocked if he could pick up some results if Raniuk ended up having another year as manager, a 12-month spell. Because the only other thing I can see working for United is that Pochettino gets sacked by Paris Saint-Germain and United have got one of three and it's an easy option. Because although a lot of people are saying Eric Ten Hag and, and other managers that are in work... I'm never convinced when United have to get someone out of a club. This summer, I must say, was relatively smooth given the sort of Covid window, and Madrid needed to sell, and Dortmund needed to sell, but we saw it with Maguire. Leicester asked for 80 million, United pussyfooted around it mm-hmm. for months and ended up paying 80 million. And if you do that with a manager, disrupt pre-season especially when there's no major tournament this summer obviously it's coming in the winter then you're off to a horrible start so I don't have the faith in them to get the next appointment right I don't want to sound too depressing but I'm just trying to be realistic it's a mess at the moment and I'm not at the moment I'm not I can't safely say I trust Richard Arnold to delegate to the people he has to delegate to
0: yeah so you know this is really a huge question because you talk about what they have the patience um First of all, I think we can say with absolute certainty that uh, Woodward slash Arnold would have sacked Ferguson in the 80s, and 90s, right? Um, and I'm not saying Martin Edwards was a visionary and deserves, you know, that credibility, credit for not sacking him. Um, but um, a natural, um, you know, it, uh, the sequela, when, when you work with people uh, like Woodward and Arnold, the sequela of that, is, not, is that you constantly get right decisions because they don't understand a process. They understand outcomes, okay? So progress isn't always linear, right? Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes backwards. But you have to recognize, first of all, what progress means, and secondly, you have to know exactly what it is that you want. Like if I was talking about the people that run Manchester United and I said to him, what does success look like to you? Define success to me from a footballing perspective and I'm 99.9% certain I would get answers like we're in the league, we're in the European Cup. Okay, but what does that look like? What's the steps to get there look like? Can you recognize progress when it's happening? I know you can recognize outcomes, right? But Let's say to get there you sell a bunch of players and you need to go backwards before you go forwards. I don't trust you there. That's where see if you take a look at what they've done, right? They have committed the managers. Right? So Van Hal gets De Maria and all that there, they're all in. You know, hundred percent, we're enthusiastic. We've got this new big name manager, everything's great. And then they sort of lost interest halfway through. Like, eh, boring, you know, I know we want to win, but it's kind of shite. And eventually, Van Gogh wins the FA Cup, um, is you know, horrendously treated, sacked the way, you know, you United looked him in the face the week before, said, everything was perfectly fine, and then sacked him. Despicable thing to do, in my opinion. Then Mourinho, sort of half committed to Mourinho. Gets finished his second, great. Problem with Mourinho is, the people that, that hired him have to hide under the bed, right? So whether Mourinho was right for Manchester United or not really wasn't important. What the to, to what was important is whether he was right for the people that hired him. Not for the football club, but the people that hired him, right? Because that's really the, you know, the, the, the when you want to find out whether you're suitable for a job at Manchester United or not, it's really not about whether you're best for Manchester United. It's whether the people that are going to hire you or want to work with you. That's all it is. Right. And this is why I believe that Conte wasn't hard because Conte is a no bullshit type guy that demands the very best. And if you sell players over his head like Inter Milante, he'll walk. If you don't bring the players in that you want He They want you to bring in like a Chelsea and Juventus. He walks. Right. And didn't go to Spurs initially because Daniel Levy wouldn't give the promises he made. He needed. Guess who got that job, giving him the promises that he needed. Right. So. Then what you end up with, sorry, is a mishmash of players built for different systems that are incapable of playing any system. And what do we have at Old Trafford? We have exactly that, okay? And the natural antecedent to that, of course, is when you hire people who don't know anything about football. And when it comes down to acknowledging problems, okay, it's everything but them. They're completely solipsistic. They never recognise their own shortcomings in this. They're exceptionally well compensated. By what metric have they been successful to where they should be getting pay raises over the last six, seven years? The fact that they are, and the fact that they are defended as a success tells you what is the problem with the Football Cup. Sorry for this long run, but uh, to me, what concerns me is whether it's Ranić, whether it's any manager, are you going to give him the time and be committed and support him 100%? Because Callum, we are having a different conversation right now about success and failure, and who's the next manager if if Bellingham and Holland were sent.
1: Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely, and. You hit the nail on the head there. United have basically ripped up four jigsaws, mixed them up, thrown them into a bucket in a mishmash of a form and expecting someone to come in and build a pristine mosaic. And that's never, ever going to happen when you just throw a mishmash of things into a bucket and pick them out randomly. And that's something that that United need to address. They've needed to address for a number of years. Um, You've mentioned Bellingham and Haaland. Um, Haaland of course was, was, was we all he's linked to him Was one that should have obviously got over the line But the Bellingham one for me Was the one that showed up this current United um, Scenario as it is In stark form The best young English players British based players Irish based players coming through You would solely expect Manchester United in my opinion In direct competition With a foreign club to be able to sell themselves, not even sell, to be able to convince that player to sign. So Alex Ferguson met him, spoke to him, spoke to his father, toured Carrington, wasn't enough. So, in terms of what we've said earlier that there must be something going on at that football club that just puts people off and brings people down to a certain level. Bellingham's situation Epitomises that Now you can say Oh Sancho went to the Bundesliga Guaranteed more games Etc etc You can't tell me That Jude Bellingham Wouldn't walk into this Manchester United team now And wouldn't have walked into it A year ago you still had McTominay, you still had Fred, we've talked about them being courageous and players that never give up. But for all their effort, yes, at times they don't have the levels of consistency that you would like. Bellingham would have got plenty of game time at Manchester United. The fact that he, they couldn't convince him of that is deeply concerning. The Haaland situation, again, deeply concerning. You look at the situation with him this summer, again, you'll know more than than I do, Phil, but... I don't even think I don't even think Haaland and Raiola would be giving United a second glance. I mean, if they offered ridiculous levels of money and commission, yes, okay, you could say ideally maybe, but. It's a sad state of affairs where If you were to name five clubs he wants to join And would be excited about the project I don't think he'd be naming United And that is completely damning Given the fact that he's went to Dortmund He's got this clause And as I say, United I don't even think would be in the race Even if they expressed interest Again, I could be wrong, but just my personal view
0: yeah I, I i i probably agree with the vast majority of that mate and um uh, i think you know there's other questions that need to be answered and, and you know you talked you talked about this and i didn't really get to elaborate on this but i want to I want to also talk about this but um what marcus Rashford is going through because there's a bigger point we talked about here mate um and there's a difference between bad players and bad games and one of the sad things that i lament the most about society today is how quickly supposed fans are to turn on their own and to me you're not a fan whenever you're lavishing praise when things are going well but when things are not going well you're leveling the most disgraceful abuse at someone Marcus Rashford is a credit to Manchester United a credit to his family and anyone who's played football will know that a fit non-form Marcus Riceford would be an absolute nightmare to play against. His pace, his feet, he scores goals, he could score a wide variety of goals, he could score from outside the box, scores from inside the box. Is he perfect? No. Right? Um, but we also have a tendency to overrate players from other leagues that we don't watch every week, that we get to see basically their highlight clips. Marcus Riceford, if he was for seal would have clubs from all over the world falling over him to get them. Right? And he is a player that, in my opinion, goes in and improves a lot of a lot of teams. Now, there's gonna be people listening to this that are going to find what I'm saying to be insane, right? Because I know he splits opinion. But <clears throat> he hasn't been great for a while. And we're talking about a kid that, of course, was abused over missing a penalty in the Euros, right? A kid who has used his fame and notoriety to improve the lives of millions of people up and down the country, young kids, right? He has been a magnificent talent for United. He's still really young. If you're going to turn on Marcus Riceford, you can turn on anyone. How about support? Have you ever had a mate or someone you love that even when they're wrong, you stand by them? you ever had a situation where someone Need your loyalty. They need your support. And his form may not warrant a lot of the love. But he's your football player. He's a native player. He's a brilliant kid. A brilliant young lad. A credit to the football club. A credit to his community. Right? And when he's on form and farm, he's magnificent. So get behind him. Instead of sitting behind your computer, your desk, wherever you are, and sniping. And and slaughter them over and over again. Listen, it's one thing having a bit of fun. is You can even criticize him, right? I mean, I've I've been critical of Harry of Harry Maguire, but I, I don't like the nastiness of some of it and some of the things that get sent his way. Honestly, it's despicable. And when you're at a football club like United or any top sporting institution, when things are going well, they're the best place to be in the world. When they're not, they're the worst because you just get this despicable pylon on from people who somehow feel entitled, like people. Have, this is just give you an idea of how selfish so many people have become because i wanted also to mention some other point calma this is really really important about something that happened friday and i, I want to i really want to address this right people have become so entitled to um the right to be entertained above all else for example don't, it doesn't matter if the owners of my football club decapitate people for being gay, throw them off buildings, deprive people of human rights, commit the most heinous atrocities, you know, blow people up, or whatever it is. I don't care who they happen to be, what country they happen to be from, What it doesn't matter, right? If you are someone like Thaksin Shinawatra, who are guilty of unbelievable human rights abuses and mass murder you don't get to prioritize your entertainment above somebody else's safety i don't care how graded fields to be sending the best players in the world especially whenever you're turning a blind eye a lot of people were you know retweeting desmond two two weeks ago a week ago how wonderful he is but uh when it comes to personal sacrifice certainly i understand that like the newcastle fans wanting new players given how long they've been suffering. Right, I it's unfair that they're put in a situation where they need to also become accountants and, and uh, diplomats, and you know, before they can support the football club. It's not fair they're put in that situation. But I'll tell you something, Calm, right? The amount of people that could incur less about what other human beings are experiencing at the hands of their owners, as long as they're band top players, is quite frankly despicable and appalling to me. And lastly, and I can't emphasize this enough, right? Because this is ob- absolutely. Despicable. So if you're on the internet, folks, one thing you're gonna to have to contend with is opposing views. It may not be like yours. In fact, you may find them contemptible. I see a lot of tweets online that I find utterly contemptible. Alright? And like many people, I've started replying, deleted my tweet, and thought better of it. Alright. Some of those our political views, some of those are about uh, our health policies, some of them are about football. But for anyone who looks at another human being and says, you know what, you don't support like my football club the way I do, and I don't like your views, and I don't like what you're doing, so therefore I'm going to dox you, or I'm going to go after personal members of your family. No. You don't have that right. And that's bang out of order. Now, Johnny FX, I disagree with just about everything he says. And I find a lot of his views to be ridiculous. But the people that went after his fiance because she's a sex worker and thought that was fair game, you are scum. How do you know the individual on the other side of that screen isn't suicidal over that? How dare you? Who do you think you are that you get to go after someone's family because of a football opinion? You despicable piece of shit. You have no moral high ground. You are bang out of the order. And to do something like that is beyond appeal. I have family. And if someone went after them and spliced their personal details on the internet because they didn't like my football views, right? they'd be devastated you are entitled to anonymity. It's none of your business the way other people live or what they choose to do. One of my closest friends in the world is a sex worker. He's a porn star. I love him. An amazing human being. One of the kindest human beings and you'll ever meet in your life would do anything for you. And you know what? I'm a 45-year-old man, so I no longer look at sex or anything to do with it as something to be sniggered at or teased, right? So honestly, don't be coming at me saying unfollow this individual um, after you've doxed them, put their information online, and then and then and then to compound the error. By the way, and I encourage anyone to do this because there's there, there's a there's a terrible uh, proclivity for a lot of people to do this. Make this clear. And I've said this in my podcast before. Anyone, anyone who calls me a sexual, a, a nonce or a peter or anything like that, will be him from a solicitor, a lawyer, guaranteed, right? So someone on Friday put an allegation online about Mark Goldbridge that was so reprehensible, and it was done because someone thought it was funny, which is clearly libel, and I would sue the individual to high heaven for it, that alleged in his previous job he was sacked for sexual assault against the minor. Now, when you put something like that online, that is absolutely libelous defamation and leaves you vulnerable to be sued up the ask, because that, and by the way, allegedly, will, will not exculpate you from responsibility, okay? So sticking allegedly in there doesn't exonerate you. So what, these people to put that online about another human being because you don't like his views is so appalling, disgusting, and deserves to be litigated against. Because, like him, you know, this guy is an individual has family. Count what do you think they read? You think that's something that someone wants to see about their father or their son or their or their brother or their sister? And it never truly goes away. By the way. It's absolutely despicable. And that's where I draw the line. Look, a lot of these accounts, I don't agree with them either, right? You know, uh, the rants and bants about tweet about finish the job, it infuriated me when talked about Soul Screen United getting battered, right? And I hear some of the stuff they come out with that, quite frankly, is ridiculous to me. But don't you dare think that entitles you to go after someone's family, personally, and put stuff on the internet about them, because that is bang on the order, and it's totally unacceptable. Uh, it's, a, it's first of all, it's also against the Twitter rules, rightfully so. And honestly, if there's someone on the other end of that computer, and something like that can have a catastrophic impact on someone's life, this is football. Remember that, folks. Be careful about going too far, times.
1: I think that's the the, the perfect way to. To sum everything up, um, I think you've put that together very well. Um, we, we love football, we love the game, um, we've all got views, we're all passionate about uh, what we believe, what we hope we will see in the future, but at the end of the day, we've all got to take a step back and remember it's a football view, or even in politics, I know politics is very, very um, polarising It's someone's viewpoint. Whether you voted for Brexit or you didn't, you're still a human being. Everyone's entitled to the review or whatever other um, thing that's ongoing at the moment. I mean, everyone's entitled to view. And if you want to surround yourself with people in life that will always tell you the bee's knees and always agree with your viewpoint... You're just living in an egotistical vacuum that will come back to bite you in life at some stage because someday, somewhere, someone will have a different view or someone will stand up to your view if you're um, emanating complete negativity online or in person. And you have to be able to justify that. As you've said, Phil, if you're going to throw around serious statements and allegations about people, be prepared to defend them and be prepared to, to have evidence because if you don't, you're the one who's going to pay the price, and rightly so, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have to coexist as one. Don't want to uh I'm, 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 I'm preaching here, but whether we agree or whether we disagree, we can do it respectfully. And if you can't, then you you really should maybe stay away um, from some of the debates that you get yourself involved in. I know for me, certainly, you mentioned it, Phil, you yeah. have to sometimes mute your own conversations, That's which is quite yeah. sad. I've had to do the same. And I think if you can't come and have a... An honest viewpoint or A civil debate then why are you Coming to the fore at all because Nobody wants your negativity And deep down as we've talked about many times Phil If you're putting something Toxic like that online Maybe you need to think about how you're feeling Because there's plenty of support out there And if you need to speak to someone there's plenty of people that will be there for you, but don't throw shit at other people to try and make yourself feel better because it always catches up with you in the end, and it's a temporary fix to a problem that you should have. You should have support for, and that's something that I'm passionate about because so often you see it. Um, particularly uh, Even, in, even in, in media and what we do Phil um, mm. a, Another podcast Or a writer will get an interview Or um, they'll have a show that's went Particularly well and someone's got to come in And snipe and put them down Sam yeah. Lee obviously put a statement out But Trans- Transfer News is the worst of it The yeah. worst of it just We just all want the next well. big thing, the next yeah. shiny toy You're making it up, you're bullshit Your family um, blah 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 um, And people need to remember it's a game, we all love it. It's a viewpoint. And as I say, if you can't come with a civil debate or a point or a question, then why are you bothering? Seek support because it's certainly not going to make you feel better for long.
0: Yeah, I have to say, um, you know, that uh, you know, you're a fraud if you put a transfer info. You know, I've I've long since uh, conditioned myself to that. But then I wonder to the people that tweet this at me or anyone else might and they still living in a world where they think someone like me or someone else is making this up? Like, do they really think that I'm sitting there going, hmm, what could I come up with here? Because I'm so desperate for negative attention. Let me tweet this. You know, let me tweet something that I actually have to mute because I can't interact with, because I know that it um, people who don't have the brain to understand the difference between someone who reports the news and someone who is responsible for it um and and that's we're talking with the lowest common denominator here right it's as if i was the one that turned around and said santa isn't coming this year you know and 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 it's my fault you know and, and this is actually worse if you're a female because then they get that abuse plus sexism on top of it this is absolutely despicable Um, Again, coming from people that will call you a retard, uh, that will call you a pedophile and stuff like this for putting out a, you know, news. It's just a disgrace, right? Um, You also live in another world where you've got people that um, weaponize everything that you say, right? Where they infantilize people and they police language and think somehow that is commensurate with um, activism. So if I happen to criticize an athlete that's different from me, uh, people will assume it couldn't possibly be motivated by anything other than prejudice. See, I don't do that back when people, when they criticize me, I don't come back to them and say couldn't possibly be for any other reason. The fact that you're prejudiced against Irish people, right? Because you see how absurd that is, right? And so we've reached an, envir- an era where everything considered pejorative and it must be motivated by race or or, 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 or sexism or any or, or, or any prejudice any form of prejudice. It couldn't possibly be that you have an opinion on a public figure, right? And, and, and I and I despair where this is going because, you know, it makes it very, very, very difficult to talk about anything respectfully without that coming back at me or other people for that matter. And I just, I, I, I honestly despair so much that we live in an era that does this. And, and, uh, you know, I, I know exactly what's going to come back if I criticize Paul Pogba. I know exactly what's going to come back if I criticize uh, anyone for that matter. But it's always assumed, I'm going to take your words, i take the very worst possible interpretation of them, and then I'm going to accuse you of it. And the problem is, mate, these allegations now of the, uh, are so worn out they almost don't pay attention and it's like i i I genuinely demand so much if because here's the thing if you're if you're a sexist racist whatever you're usually not subtle about it and usually quite vocal about it quite open about it and i'll tell you something mate you know i find it really really sad because personally speaking One of the worst allegations and the most hurtful allegations you can make against me personally is that anything I do is motivated by prejudice. I grew up in a prejudicial environment that was torn apart by bigotry. I couldn't possibly despise it anymore. I couldn't possibly hate the division that comes from that. As a result, one of the things that, you know, fills my heart with joy when I see the Adam under 16 team consisting of so many different ethnicities. I think that's class reflective of society, that young kids coming up in society can see people exactly like them and be inspired. Of, right? So Dan Iqbal, so inspiring to kids from Pakistan. Um, <clears throat> so in- inspiring. I think he's got. Uh, uh, he's Pakistani, English and um, Iraqi, I believe, I think. So that is so inspiring for kids from these particular communities who share that ethnicity and share that identity, to have someone just like them becoming successful. I think that is amazing. I just find it so sad, Matt, that we are making conversation difficult because it gets tiring. And so go back to what I was saying. If you only care about laws until they are applied to you, then no one cares when you start screaming. I'm going to finish this up by giving you one example, man. Okay, I'm going to use vaccine mandates. It's been mandatory for immigrants to be vaccinated up BS be before they set foot in the US. So, you know, it's the same for the UK, right? For decades, no body if I had started screaming five years ago, saying mandatory vaccines for immigrants is a violation of human rights and civil liberties, nobody would have cared. The fact that I said I was insane. The fact that I've all said you should be vaccinated before you set foot in our country. But neither applied to them. They want someone like me to care that it's a human rights violation, which I don't believe it is although I don't believe in mandatory vaccinations. Um, but this is the problem. You know, I hear them say, oh, well, they could punish us by putting us in cages and separating us from our families. Oh. Because when that was happening to immigrants and their children, you didn't care. And to that old saying, when they first came for the Jews, I didn't care because it wasn't for me. Then they came from the ladies. Well, I didn't care if it wasn't for me. Then they came for the gym. And you know what the point that I'm getting until they came for me. So this is the point that I'm talking about, Calum, where a wider point is that. Whether something applies to you or not. Isn't. The reason why you should care or not. And I'm, I am just find it really sad that this is where we are. I didn't mean to veer off. from talking about football, man, but um I know a lot of us out there are struggling mentally and uh it shows with with a lot of the feedback that comes back but uh I'm just saying please 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 guys do not ask me to get involved in any targeted abuse towards people any targeted doxing or going after people's families families their individual their are sitting others their wives their girlfriends their children it's despicable absolutely reprehensible. And that is where I draw a line. So for me, yes, I know that some of the views that are pervaded there are, are ridiculous. I agree. But folks, remember this, OK? Other human beings involved in this, they, they don't deserve that, right? And if Johnny FX's fiance is a sex worker, so what? Who cares? Grow up Anyway,
1: Spot on mate I think that's the perfect way to To wrap up and I just hope that We can be talking about a positive United performance again Villa away is going to be very tough um, I think VAR was the man Of the match for us on mm-hmm. Monday night I just hope that We can get the job done by ourselves fully um, come, come the weekend But it's going to be tough well, let me um, No you. illusions
0: on that VAR, did you not think? Did you think that goal should have counted? No,
1: in all seriousness, no. I'm just, I'm just ah. making a, a joke of that. I think the first one, the uh, the one with Cavani being blocked, there was the Cavani block. You could see it went in off his hand. There was a potential offside there, and the second one was a clear cut offside. So no, I, in all seriousness, um, no, I, I do agree with it. The I think that's the thing with ER. It's again, it frustrates people. It can slow mm-hmm. the game down. It certainly slowed that game down, but. At the end of the day, it normally gives you, a whether we like it or not, even with the toenail off sides, it, it tends to give you a pretty, um, a decision with conviction, which I suppose is what we all want. So, although we can jest about it, I suppose it's one of those where yeah. even Gerrard said he might be annoyed with the weight, but he couldn't complain uh, with the opinion. And hopefully he won't be complaining with the result this weekend when United beat Villa again, fingers and toes crossed. All right. Yeah, because
0: on that, Callum, um, first of all, there was about three different offences in that. It was a handball. Uh, it was a free kick to Cavani. It looked like it hit off um, Ings's hand. And it looked like he was offside. I was watching the Villarreal game at the weekend. Villarreal drew 1-8, uh, I believe it was, uh, with Atletico Madrid, 2-8. Um, Pound from German right now. Keeper saves it, Comes back out. Hits off the guy's hand onto his hip and in. They disallowed the goal, even though the hand really had no impact on him scoring a goal or whatever, and even if it had his hip, still didn't count. So to me, I think uh, I really don't understand what the issue is. But folks, as you said, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Thanks to all of you for all your downloads, likes, retweets, everything. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, and, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. I hope you know, get a result, go away against Aston Villa, get a good performance and a good result. Um, I don't have any confidence that will happen, but uh, we, we shall see. And uh, as far as Sending in and out, folks, I really can't see anything happening in January from what I've been told. So um, I'd be surprised if Bayi leaves. I'd be surprised if anyone comes in. But uh, who knows? We shall see. Callum, all the best, mate. Uh, folks, don't forget to give us guy a follow. I'll put his Twitter ID, keeps changing. It's at Callum, what is it, Wi Fi, is it, or something?
1: At Callum WFI. And I've got an interview next week with a current United player that's out in loan. So please support that if you can.
0: There you go, folks. Don't forget, he's got tons of all the United content I've seen it on there. There's Ron Atkinson was on there a while ago, you'd normally see it on too, and uh, loads of uh, top interviews. So get yourself over and follow this guy. Well worth following. Mate, all the best up in Bonnie, Scotland. Take it easy. All the best. Take care. See you, mate, bye.